Ah, a new chapter of my life is opening up, and I'm excited. It's a little intimidating, but I'm excited to see what God has in store for me in my life. And yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just ready for real life to hit me. So I'm ready for it. <laughs> but life, a lot of people view life very different. Very, there are many very different views on life. For me, my personal favorite is life is a journey. Life is a journey. How many here have heard that before? Yeah? Yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> life is a journey. Okay, so let me ask you this. If life is a journey, then what's the destination? Ask yourself that. If life for you is a journey, then what's your destination? You see, for me and a lot of us here, the destination is eternal life and heaven. And, I mean, we're all going to have an eternity, but that all depends. Uh, it depends where, um, if you have God or not, if you're going to heaven or not. Um, but yeah, we all have an eternity. Now, if our, eter- if our destination is eternal life in heaven... For those of us who believe Christ and are saved and truly have gained salvation, then what is our journey looking like if our destination is heaven? Ask yourself that. If the destination is heaven, then what is the journey looking like? What is my life looking like right now? Am I serving self or am I serving the Savior? Am I, am I living the life that God has put, um, has put on my heart to live Or am I living the life that, you know, I kind of want to live? Am I doing things on my own? And with that being said, let's turn our Bibles to Revelations 3, verses 15 through 16. And this is what it says. I know all the things that you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, some of you are kind of confused as to what that verse just said. Um, this, this, um, this verse, or this was a letter written to a specific church. But I believe that it speaks to every single Christian that's ever walked this earth. We can't become lukewarm Christians. Like, and what I mean by lukewarm is, say, hot water, okay? Hot water is the life that God wants you to be. Like, the life that God wants you to lead, Cold water is the life that you want to lead, the, the self, selfish life, the life that you want. Lukewarm water is you riding the fence, choosing, uh, trying to choose which one to go in. Serving two masters, pretty much. Lukewarm. So, let me ask you this, church. Why has the church been okay with living lukewarm lives? Lukewarm Christian lives, in particular. Why have, we been, why have we made it an okay thing? Because we have, right? And it's funny because our culture accepts that. Our culture embraces us coming to church, but living a whole different life outside of it. Our culture accepts that. And it's not a coincidence. You, it, our culture accepts that. That's, it's crazy to me. Now, there are many reasons why we've become lukewarm Christians. But today we're going to talk about mainly two. One being, we're lazy. And I mean, I'm lazy. I'm lazy. Like, really lazy, actually. But when it comes to relationship with God, you know, we've become lazy. We've been, we've 
become way too comfortable with just being saved. We've become way too comfortable with just gaining that salvation, that assurance of going to heaven for eternity. And a lot of people tell me, well, Johnny, I already have, I already have salvation. I'm going to heaven. Now, I know that for a fact. Why would, I, why would I waste my time trying to, you know, read through the Bible, get to know God? I already have salvation. Nothing could take that from me. Okay, you're right. Nothing can take that salvation from you, but that doesn't mean that you should take advantage of the grace that God gives you. We should never take advantage of the grace God gives us. And we can't be lazy when it comes to to growing our faith and growing our relationship with God because there are going to be trials that come. There will be trials. There will be um, bad spots in our life that will come. And if we, do, if we don't have that firm foundation in God, if we don't have that firm uh, relationship with God, if our faith hasn't grown and trials come, bad times come, a bad season comes, we're just, we're knocked down and we can't give up because of the, because of the lack of effort we put into a relationship with God. Now, turn to your Bibles with me to Matthew 11. 28 through 30. This is what it says. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now you see, what God is saying here is, when you come before him, when you're, not, when you're a non-believer and you come before him with all these things that you're carrying, you know, he says, here, leave all that. Leave all that. Let me do all the heavy lifting. Give me all this. But here, here's your relationship with me. Now take care of it. Cherish it. Follow me. He gives us a light load. And see, that's what we've got to understand, church. God has done all the heavy lifting in a relationship with us. He's taken everything that we have, and he nailed it to the cross. Yet we don't, yet we don't make an effort to make any time to open the book called the Bible or to, to pray, spend time with God. A lot, of you, a lot of people use that excuse of, well, Johnny, there's no time. There's no time. I'm a very, very, very busy person. I work a lot. Then I have kids. Then I have a wife. Don't get me started on that. Well, you're right. There is no time. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. I don't have a wife. So <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't know how it feels. <laughs> so, uh, and it's funny to me because, you know, I think to myself, you're right. You don't have time. You know, there, there is no time to read the Bible or, or um, spend time with God. But there is time for final, NBA final games. There is no t- there's no time to, to read the Bible. But there's time to scroll through Instagram or um, Snapchat or Facebook. There's no time to read the Bible, but there's, there's time to gossip about people. Let me give you a visual representation of what... This verse, Matthew eleven twenty eight through twenty twenty eight through thirty. I'm sorry. This is what it looks like. Ben, Giles, if you'd like to come up here real quick. Look at these handsome men. Woof. 
All right, so this is your burden, right? This is all, this is all that you're carrying? Look at you're You're obviously a bigger sinner. He, he has a lighter pack. All right, well, Giles, let's see. Let's see what you carry. Because we shouldn't be carrying anything when we come to Christ. Anger. I, I can see it. I can see it. Let's see, disappointment. Regret. Oh, wow. I, I don't even want to dig anymore. That's, that's way too much. Let's see, Ben. Let's see what you have here. It's a cute bag. Let's see. You have a kid. Okay. Yes, you do. Oh, there we go. There we go. Guilt. Now see, what God is telling us to do is take all these things, all these things that we carry, big or small. <laughs> You're a big sinner. <laughs> Just kidding. No, no. Big or small, you, whatever we carry, he says to go and lay it at his feet. Go ahead, guys. Lay it at his feet. And on your way out, here's this lighter yoke. Here's this lighter burden that I call a relationship with me. Here. Relationship with me. A relationship with me. Now go cherish it. Follow me. But you see, we become way too comfortable just leaving everything right here. And then coming back, and when it comes to carrying that, this lighter burden, we're just like, yeah, you know what? Hold on. I'm going to just stay right here, right here where I don't have to carry anything. And we stay. We sit there. We stay there. Make no effort whatsoever to try to pursue uh, growing our faith. I'm going to give you another physical representation of what this looks like. Spiritually. This is us spiritually, okay? Hot summer day. 100 degrees out. And I, I wore, I was, I made a, a bad decision of wearing a crew neck. It's going to be like 9 degrees out today. 100 degrees out, like yesterday, okay? You just got done mowing the lawn or jogging a mile, okay? So you come in, you come inside to the AC and you're tired, you're sweaty. I mowed a lawn because I'm not a runner, you lay, you you sit down. You're 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 trying to relax, and you think to yourself, "What? I I need something to refresh myself. I need something to cool my body down." Now you have two choices. You have a half cup of lemonade that you were drinking the other night, and it's room temperature now, or red Gatorade. Fruit punch, Gatorade. That's the best kind, just FYI. Okay? So, hot summer day. Okay? You just got, got done mowing the lawn. You're inside. Now, what makes sense to refresh yourself? What makes sense? The Gatorade. Right? But now, see, this is us spiritually. When it comes to growing our faith, that's growing our faith. This is, this is settling. This is us spiritually. I don't feel like walking right now. And that's kind of gross. That's been left out since the other night. Ah, very warm. But yeah, that's us. That's us. We don't want to, we don't want to make the effort of taking those six steps. I think that's how long that is. Six steps of, of going to the gator to refresh ourselves. We're okay with settling with the, with the half drink um, cup of lemonade. Spiritually, we're okay with being lukewarm. We're okay with settling. And church, we cannot live like that. We can't. 
Now, being being lazy isn't the only isn't um, being lazy is only one of the reasons we become lukewarm Christians. The other one that I'd like to talk about is time. Time. We always think to ourselves, you know, I'll have time later. I'll have time later. You know, one of the biggest lies the devil has ever told our culture or our country is this. Johnny, Johnny, hey, what are you doing? It's, it's 8 o'clock on a Friday, on a Friday night. 8 o'clock and you're sitting in your bed reading the Bible. What are you doing? Like, come on, go, go out and experience the world. Go, go see what you can do. Experience. Oh, God? God, you have time for that later. 20, 20 years down the line. You'll have time. When you're almost gassed out, you'll, you'll have time. You'll have time for God. But right now, go experience the world. Go have fun. Be you. Be who you think you are. Be you. Go experience. That's that. And, and our culture has bought into that lie. Our culture has bought into that lie. And we let our children buy, buy into that lie. We let our children buy into that lie. You know, when it comes to, when it, when it comes to you know, having a relationship with God, growing your faith, we don't, why don't we teach that to our children? Why aren't we so hard on, on our children about that as we are with grades, as we are with sports? People, we aren't promised time on this earth. We are not promised time on this earth. Heck, uh, tomorrow might, might not be here. So don't ever think, oh, I'll have time later for Jesus. I'll have time later. I'm too young right now. I'm too young. Well, let me tell you something. Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah, was called by God like around the age of 16. Okay? And this is what he said. Turn your Bibles with me to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1, 6 through 7. And this is what it says. O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you to say. That sounds a little harsh, but it's the truth. You see, you see us young people, I'm an older generation, I'm going to pause real quick. You guys can have like a little time out just for like five minutes, okay? Younger generation, listen up. We cannot ever use that excuse that we are too young, because we are not too young. We are not too young. And a lot of people tell me, well, Johnny, I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm not perfect. I don't know how to speak. I'm not a people person. Well, let me tell you, God does not look for ability. God doesn't look for you to be perfect. He doesn't look for you to, he doesn't see if you can speak to people. He doesn't look for your ability. He looks for your availability. He looks for a heart that says yes. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So don't ever use that excuse that I'm too young or I don't know this, I don't know that. Just have a willing heart, a heart that says, yes, I will. I will. And you'll be amazed to see what God can do. All right, older generation, time in. All right. First Timothy, if you turn your Bibles, 
We gladly appreciate it. Uh, 1 Timothy 4.12. This is what it says. Do not let anyone think any less of you because you are young. But be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Now, now here's the thing. Old, older generation, I'm going to put you on timeout for like two more minutes, okay? <laughs> Younger generation, do not ever let anybody look down on you because we're young. As a matter of fact, use that. And be an example to all believers, old or young, old or young, and the way you live and what you say, because words, oh my gosh, and what you say, the way you live, and your love, your purity, and your faith. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but be a leader and set an example. Be an example. Be an example to the older generation that may have screwed up. I, I love you, gener- older generation. Time in. Older generation. Be an example. It's not too late. Be an example to your kids, to the people that follow you, to the people that see you. And the way you live, the way you love, your faith and your purity. Be an example to the younger generation. And younger generation, be an example to the older one. We must not use that excuse of, I'm too young or I'm too old to serve God, to represent God. First Timothy also talks about, you know, the way a Christian should live. We should be an example to all believers slash non-believers in the way we live, in the way we love, in the way, um, in, in our faith, love, and purity. Okay, we should be an example to all believers and non-believers. Because people, church, let me tell you something. The way Christians live matters. Okay? I don't think you heard me. The way Christians live matters. Okay? We're not just another life. We're not just another life in this world running around because we're not part of this world. As it says in John, I want to say 15. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> as it says in John, I was right, John 15, 18 through 19. If you turn with me. It says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. It hates us. So don't ever think, oh, you know, I'm just another, I'm just another guy in this world, you know. No, us Christians, whoever has gained Christ in their life, whoever has salvation and that assurance that they're going to heaven, should not live like the rest of the world. Our life matters. The way we live matters. It matters. And I can't say that enough. The way we live matters. Because we're impacting people that are watching. People that are watching. The start of my junior year, you know, I was coming out of summer. I was all pumped up for Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this junior year, we're going to get some people saved. I'm ready for it. Let's get this bread. (laughs) You know, I was excited for Jesus. So I walk in gym. I get dressed, and I hit the deck. And I'm like, okay, who can I share Jesus with today? And I see a guy. uh, I knew he didn't didn't have a lot of friends. He was a senior. And I'm like, perfect. I'm going to go lift with him. Then I'm going to bring up Jesus. 
So we start lifting. Half an hour into it, I'm like, all right, perfect time to pop the question. And I tell him, hey, what do you think about God? And he looks at me very serious, and he says, well, Johnny, there is no God. And I'm like, okay, all right, here we go. We got an atheist in our hands. And I'm like, all right, all right, so you believe in the monkeys. You believe in evolution and stuff. And he's like, no, 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 not really. I don't really believe in that stuff. And I'm, I'm confused. I'm like, okay, hold on. I did the math, and it's not, uh, hold on. So I ask him, okay, so why, why don't you believe that there's a God? And he looks at me very serious, and he tells me, Johnny, if there was a God, the church would live differently. The church would live differently. Those people, the same people that go to church and proclaim something at church, would live a whole different life, would lead a whole different life on the weekends. The same people, Johnny, that go to FCA, the same people that go to FCA and say all that stuff there, they don't live the same thing on the weekends. Now, Johnny, tell me this. If there was a God, wouldn't that be different? And I was, I was in awe. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have, have nothing for that. Because it's true. He's absolutely right. You know? It, it's, it, and it, it made me very, very, very upset. Because somebody's going to hell. Because they got a false representation of what a godly person should be. Somebody's going to hell because somebody opened up their mouth in church and proclaimed something here and lived a whole different life outside of it. And I'm pretty sure that this senior kid wasn't the only, he's not the only one like this. He's not. There are millions of people like this. There are millions of people watching. There are witnesses all around us. And we, we gotta, we, we gotta wake up to that. Wake up and smell the coffee. We're Christians. We're not supposed to be living like every other life in this world. People think we're hypocrites and we wonder why we can't fill a church. People see us and they're like, if that's what a Christian is, I want nothing to do with it. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. They say this, they live this. They talk this, they don't walk it. So church, ask yourself, what am I walking today? What am I, what am I talking and what am I walking? What am I saying and what am I believing? But what am I truly living out? We always have to keep that on guard. We get way too comfortable with the idea of salvation. We get way too comfortable as a church. Way, 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 way too comfortable. So church, we got to live a life that's worthy of the gospel. We got to live a life worthy of what we proclaim here. We got to live a life worthy of what we believe inside. Because why would you want to keep that inside? You see, church has become this, this place where we just come and listen. Not much action. Like it says in Romans. Like it says in Romans 2, verse 13. It says, For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. 
See, there has been way too much listening going on in the church. And that's good. It's good to take all that in. It is. But we've got to take action, church. We must take action. We must use what we are listening. We must take it all in and put it to work. Because people are watching. There are witnesses all over. Now, you're probably wondering, okay, Johnny, all right, I get it. I get it. Now, what do I do? What, how, what can I do to live that life worthy of the gospel, worthy of what I believe? Well, first of all, you've got to remember that you're not in this race alone. A lot of people tell me that. It's a lonely, it's a lonely journey. And you know what? Quite frankly, it can be the way things are right now. It can be a lonely journey, but there will always be somebody on the same path, somebody running the same race that Hebrews 12 talks about. Hebrews 12, if you'd like to turn to that, Hebrews 12 talks about running this race that God's put before us. Hebrews 12, verse 1. And sorry, I, my Bible is very slow. And I can't read. (laughs) All right, so this is what it says. Hebrews 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to life, to the life of faith, let us strip off any, uh, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. The race that God has set before us. Now, what that verse is talking about, like I said before, there are other people around. There are other people running the same race that, that you're running. The race called life. The race that God has put you in. There are others. And if not, you always got to remember there's a cloud of witnesses for looking down on, no, not looking down on you, sorry. Looking from above, cheering you on. For the, of those who came before, you have a cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on in this race called life, the Christian life. So don't ever use that excuse that it's a lonely journey. And if it's a lonely journey, then you probably got to check yourself and check who you're with, who you're hanging out with, who is influencing you. Who's influencing you? It, all, and, um, it also talks about stripping off anything that weighs us down. As, as uh, Ben and Giles Um, showed us guilt, anger, disappointment. Anything that we carry, we must strip off. Because it'd be pointless running a race with a backpack, right? That'd be dumb. (laughs) And I don't run races. So God calls us to strip everything off and just lay it at his feet. That's another thing. Now, another thing, the last thing actually, that we have to remember when we're running this race is that you're not only running it for yourself. You're not only running this race of the Christian life for yourself. You're running for those who are coming in from behind. You're running for the generations that are coming in from behind, the generations that are following you, the generations that are following your lead, your kids, parents. How are you modeling Christ to your kids? Or are you even modeling Christ to your kids? 
That's very important. As a little kid, I've always looked up to my dad. Always. Always looked up to my dad. So ask yourself, parents, how am I modeling Christ for my kids? Because let me tell you something. It has, it, it, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I know it's a big deal because it's affected my generation. You know, parents, parents bring their, church, their kids to church, but they don't model Christ outside of church. Sundays is just a, uh, I guess we've got to go to church now, kids. But when we get back, I don't really care. And a, lot of, and a lot of you may say, well, Johnny, you don't know what it's like. You don't have kids, and you don't have a wife. And yeah, you're right, I don't have a wife or kids. But, you know, and, and you may say, it's a hard life, Johnny. It's a hard life, having to go to work, then coming home, dealing, dealing with this, dealing with that. It's a hard life. And I get it. I get it. Not that I get it. I've never been, like, a parent or anything, but I... I can see why you'd say that. But you see, parents, we should never use the excuse of life gets hard to, um, for not modeling a Christ-like person for our kids. We should never use that excuse. And when times get hard, that's where not being lazy in a relationship with God comes in. You see, if you weren't lazy in a relationship with God in the first place, when hard times came, when, hard time, when, when trials come, you are ready. You are ready to get knocked down. But pick yourself back up. And give me a sec. I'm a little thirsty. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, so, yeah. Don't ever say it's too hard, parents. It's a hard life. Me and my family, we've been through a lot. And, you know, we've been through a lot. A lot, a lot. We've been through a lot together. Well, in my time anyways. But never has my dad ever failed to show me what a godly man looks like. And same for my mom. And for that, I am thankful. I... You guys, um, I'm, I'm thankful for that because... I'm the man that I am now because you modeled Christ right for me. And I appreciate that. So parents, let us not ever use that as an excuse. Life gets too hard. So, this race called life. Paul talks about it a lot in Philippians. But see, there's a different side to Paul. There's... there's Paul talks about the race, but he talks about it very, very differently. He talks about running the race, but he's not only running the race. He's running the race to win the prize. He's not only running the race, listen to what I'm saying. He's not only running the race, he's running the race to win the prize, to win it all. And by that he means, I'm going to, while I have time on this earth, all the time that I have, all the power, like, I'm going to do everything in my power to gain, to gain as many people to God. To bring as many people in. I'm going to do everything in my power as long as I live. To reach people. And church, quite honestly, that should be each and every single one of our hearts. When it comes to living a Christian life. 
We should strive. We should strive to win the prize. Not just coming in last. And I'm not saying it's bad to come in last. And I'm not telling you to be perfect. I'm not telling you to be perfect. Because perfect, perfect died a long time ago. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect at all. There's a lot of people here that know me very, very, very well. They can tell you I'm just as bad as the other guy. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And, but we should still have that heart of, I'm going to run to win the prize. I'm going to run to win the prize. So ask yourself today, church, where am I? Where is my heart? Where is my heart with God? Where is the destination? If my destination is eternal life in heaven, then what is the journey looking like? What is the journey looking like? Ask yourself that. What's the journey looking like? And for some of you here, you might not even have this, this race called life, the Christian life. You might not even have God. You might not even have salvation. And for some of you, you may think you have salvation. You may think you're on, you're on this race. You're in this race, but your finish line is looking very, 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 very hot. And it's not a good hot. Not, not, not good. <laughs> so for those of you who aren't in this race of a Christian life, I invite you to join that today. I invite you to join, join me and join all these other fellow believers in that. I invite you to do that today. But you got to understand something. We're all sinners. We're all human in here, right? No aliens in here, right? No? No Martians? No? Okay, good. We're all human in here, right? All humans. Now, because we're all humans, we're all sinners. And because we're all sinners, we all deserve to rot in hell for eternity. We all deserve eternity in hell. But... About fell on a piece of paper there. <laughs> but God made a way. God made a way with Jesus Christ. God sent his only son to die on a cross so that we might someday be with him forever. God made a way. And that's Jesus Christ. Died for our sins so that we might never ever get to see the pits of hell. So for those of you who don't, do, have never truly gained that salvation, that assurance that you're going to heaven, I invite you to do that today. That t- today is the day of salvation. What's holding you back? What's holding you back? Today is the day of salvation. 